Let me just say to you tonight, um, you have been supporting us since deputation. I am 48 years old. I left for Scotland when I was 24 years old. It's been some time now, and uh, I am out of the Cleveland Baptist Church, as you'll see in just a moment. Um, Let me just say this in preparation to the uh, DVD. It's about five minutes long, so it's not too long, but it's going to tell you what we've been doing over the last 20-some years. Um, I didn't put in our salvation testimony because most churches that we go to now are like you. They already support us. They know we're saved, called to preach, and uh, called to be a church planner. But I will tell you that um, some years ago, about 10, 11 years ago, I was in Scotland teaching in our Bible Institute for our training of men. We have no Bible colleges overseas, so we train our own men. And while I was training them, I was studying through the book of Acts, and getting ready to teach them about church planning. Acts is kind of the manual on church planning. And as I was going through the book of Acts, I started to realize something. In Acts 13, the Apostle Paul, the Bible says, the Holy Ghost said unto the church at Antioch, separate me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when you read from Acts 13 down, Paul wasn't called to a country. Paul was called to do a work, and that work was church planning, uh, seeing people saved, baptized, taught, discipled, and then turning churches over. And so I believe that the church planner, whether he stays in a country all of his life planning churches or whether he goes to various places, his job is to follow the leadership of the Holy Ghost. And so we did that. And so we were able to see two churches, as you'll see, started in Scotland. The Lord opened a door. We started a church in Nova Scotia a couple years ago. That church is now totally autonomous. It actually, today, they had their brand new pastor voted in officially, and they're autonomous. And then we also had an open door in West Virginia, as you'll see. And we started a church in New Martinsville, West Virginia, which is right on the Ohio-West Virginia line. That was about two and a half years ago. That church, September 14th, will be autonomous. It will have its own pastor, my nephew, who I've been training for two years. He will take that church, and then we now are going back to Scotland to start a third church. So let's show you the DVD, and then pastor asked if I'd preach a shorter message tonight, amen, and we'll do that, and then you listen tonight. Funny enough, I'm going to preach a message out of Philippians um, on the three links between a New Testament church planner and the church. And when you read the book of Philippians, that wasn't Paul's sending church. That was a relationship like you and I have. You're not my sending church, but you're a partnering church. Amen? And so we're going to see a couple things that link the church planner with the New Testament church that he partnerships with. So let's go ahead and show the DVD, and then we'll get into the preaching. In the book of Acts, we find God gives us a very simple pattern to New Testament missions. It's a pattern that we've tried to follow over the last 20 years in starting the churches that have been established. And that pattern is kind of summed up in Acts chapter 14 with three words. The first word is preach. They preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Those that believed, we find the second word is taught. The word taught there in Acts chapter 14 simply means to disciple. And then the third word is commended. They commended them to the Lord on whom they had believed. That word commended simply means to deposit back. That means they became indigenous churches. I believe the Apostle Paul and all the church planners in the book of Acts that we find, they accomplish this with two key ingredients and not only following this pattern, but adding these ingredients. One is they had liberty to preach the gospel wherever the Holy Ghost told them to do and to go. In Acts chapter 16, we find that Paul thought he was going to Asia, 
and then he was going to go to Messiah, but the Lord suffered him not, and he forbade him not to preach the gospel there. So Paul goes on after the vision in the night to Macedonia to start some of the greatest churches in the history of the New Testament. And then we find the second ingredient is very simple. It's a team effort. I really believe in team missions. It's really helped us to plant two of the four churches that have been planted in record time. I believe that in Acts chapter 20, you find there are seven men from different areas that Paul had been in, seven different churches, and they go with Paul to preach the gospel and to assist him in whatever way they can. And so this is the biblical pattern, and this is the pattern that the Males family and this ministry of worldwide church planning is going to continue to follow. In 1992, the Males arrived in Scotland to begin what would be a lifetime of church planning. Through implementing the biblical pattern of church planning, they were able to see two churches established in a time span of 17 years. Hibani Bridge Baptist Church, pastored by Alistair McKenna, and head of Muir Baptist Church, pastored by John Goodwin. These men were led to the Lord and trained for the ministry by Brother Jim Mills. In the midst of the second church plant in Scotland, the Lord began to open a door to see a church planted in Shelburne, Nova Scotia. Brother Mills was asked by Pastor Paul Parks of Chicagoan Baptist Church to help plant a church in this needy area of Nova Scotia. The Roseway Baptist Church was started and now has its own building and is self-supporting. While finishing up in Nova Scotia, the Lord opened a door in New Martinsville, West Virginia to plan a fourth church. Just over two years ago, Brother Mells began knocking on doors in New Martinsville. With the help of his family and groups from supporting churches, the church has grown and is now ready to be handed over to a pastor to become indigenous. Once again, in the finishing up of this church plant in New Martinsville, the Lord has opened a door to start yet another church in Scotland. Pastor John Goodwin has had a great burden and desire for quite some time now to start another church there in Scotland and has asked Brother Mills to pray about returning to Scotland to help him in this endeavor. After much prayer, the Lord has given Brother Mills peace about returning to Scotland to begin the task of planning a third church in this needy country. In Philippians chapter 4, we find the Apostle Paul telling the church of Philippi that he didn't desire a gift or a handout. He desired fruit that would abound to their account. I believe that New Testament missions is a partnership between supporting churches like yourself and church planners like the Males family. I want to take this opportunity in closing today to thank you for supporting us faithfully in prayers and in finances throughout Scotland, Nova Scotia, New Martinsville, West Virginia, back to Scotland here in the future, and to the regions beyond. If you're not a supporting church, I would encourage you to prayerfully consider taking on the males and partnershiping with us and starting churches throughout the world. Amen. Take your Bibles and turn to Philippians chapter 4 that we had mentioned tonight in the uh, DVD. Again, I want to thank your pastor, and I told him this tonight. I appreciate not only the faithfulness and the finance, um, but I do appreciate also the liberty to follow the Holy Ghost. I never had your pastor call and say, 
Brother Males, why are you going from Scotland to Nova Scotia? Why are you starting a church in West Virginia? Um, you've supported me, and I appreciate that. Amen. I believe that's scriptural. If I didn't, I wouldn't do it. But I want you to turn to Philippians chapter 4 with me tonight. And we're going to talk a little bit here tonight about um, some things that I think will help you. I really do, and I think it will encourage you tonight. Paul means what he says. And I don't know about you, but I believe the Bible is the Word of God. Amen? I believe that. No doubt about it. If I didn't believe that, I wouldn't do what I do. I would be doing something else. But I believe the Bible is the Word of God. I was raised a Roman Catholic. I got saved at 13 years old, became a Baptist by conviction. But one thing I liked when I went to the Baptist church, even before I got saved, we were taught as Roman Catholics that you were to follow the authority of the priest. He knew the Bible, you didn't, and what he said goes. And we were taught that the traditions of the fathers superseded the word of God. And so when I got saved, man, I, I was really, before I got saved, I was excited to hear in a Baptist church that they actually wanted you to bring a Bible and listen and learn from the Word of God. And so I believe in this Bible, and I don't believe it says anything by coincidence. I believe in a sovereign God. And Paul says here in Philippians four thirteen. and let me say to you tonight, you have stayed with the Males family through all those church plants. And if, if God is telling the truth, and I believe God does, amen, you have fruit that abounds to your account. And I think sometimes we, we think of that almost like there's a deposit in heaven, this bank in heaven, and now we've got like all this kind of spiritual cash stored up in heaven. No, Paul's talking about the word account here means ministry. So this ministry has been expanded in twofold in Scotland, in Nova Scotia, in West Virginia. How many have roots back to West Virginia tonight? Amen. Your forefathers came to Ohio for jobs and things. Well, there's a church now. Why? Because there was no gospel preaching church in New Martinsville, West Virginia. And now going back to Scotland, you're expanding your ministry. Paul says here in verse 13, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Now, we're going to kind of take this apart for a moment, and then I want to give you three simple things tonight. I don't have time on a, on, a, on a missionary report back night to expound as much as maybe I would if I was preaching in Scotland tonight, but I want to give you three things. I'm going to give them to you, not so quick that it spins your head, but I'm going to give you three things tonight that I hope you can hold on to. But before we get there, you kind of have to understand what Paul's building up to. And he comes here talking to the church at Philippi, and he says this to them. First of all, Paul says in verse 13, hey, listen, he says to the Philippians, the church there, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Let me tell you something, folks. God plus nothing or minus nothing, God makes a majority. Amen? It doesn't matter. He said it. I believe it and makes it so. God said it. It's so. Amen? And God says, Paul through the, the Holy Ghost says, hey, I want you to know, Philippi, that before I expound on what I'm going to talk about, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. In other words, with or without you, Philippi, with or without Fellowship Baptist Church tonight, with or, and I mean that in the right way, and you understand what I'm saying in a moment, with or without man and man's help, Paul says, I can do all things through Christ. Amen? So the precipice or the groundwork is laid. Paul said, hey, I can do anything that God calls me to do through his strength. Do you believe that tonight? 
But notice what Paul says here. Now, I could have came to you 20-some years ago before your pastor that's here now was even here when Brother Denoff was a lot younger and I was a lot younger. And I could have said to you, hey, Fellowship Baptist Church, I'm going to Scotland. I don't need you. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Amen? I could have said that and it was true. But notice what he says in verse 14. Notwithstanding, ye have well done. Paul says, notwithstanding, in light of the fact that I can do anything Christ calls me to do through his power, you, in in spite of that, you need to know something, church at Philippi. You've done well. You've done a good thing. You've done a very positive thing. And look what he says here. He says this, that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, that's when it came to Philippi, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me concerning, say that word with me tonight, giving and receiving, but ye only. Have you ever heard a missionary come through, if you're honest, and I've heard him, I've been in a lot of conferences. Have you ever heard a missionary come through and say, hey, I want you to know tonight, it's not really the finance that I'm concerned about. I need your prayers more than anything. You know what that is? That's either spiritual ignorance to the word of God or fake humility. Because Paul says, who is a greater missionary than a hundred missionaries today put together, they will never accomplish as many, as much as Paul did in ten lifetimes today. And Paul says, hey listen, you did well, not just praying for me, you did well in this area of giving and receiving. You got involved in the finances of my affliction, amen. And Paul says, you did a good thing when you did that. How did they do that? Look what he says in verse 16. For even in Thessalonica, ye sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. Now, I want to talk to you about three things here just for a few minutes, amen? And I won't keep you long tonight. My boys and I are driving back tonight to southern Ohio. We have big plans for tomorrow. I'm sure you have big plans. But I want to just give you three simple things here. And it won't take us long, but I hope you learn from it, amen? There are three links between a church planner and the churches that partnership with them. There are three links, amen? Number one is this link of what I like to call, and I believe Paul's talking about this, there's the link of this idea of investment, amen? Paul says here, and he breaks it down in verse 17, he says, hey, not because I desire a gift. Now, Paul just said to the church at Philippi, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me, amen? Christ with me, his power is sufficient, I don't need anybody else. You believe that tonight, amen? But he said, you've done well, because not only was it Christ and his power, but you got involved, you partnershiped with me in this area of giving and receiving. But he goes on to explain to them, that area of giving and receiving, you weren't giving me a gift. The word gift here means a present or a handout. Paul said, hey, I didn't desire some kind of a handout, some kind of a Christmas present, if you will. Paul said, I desired fruit. You know what fruit is? Fruit, that word fruit means increase. He said, I desired some increase, some fruit that came from your ministry that it might abound unto your account. In other words, that word account means ministry. So Paul said, here's what I desired. You give me a little bit of your increase so that I may take it and make it abound 
or supersede or grow, amen, that it may increase your ministry. Friend, when you support Brother Males and every other church planner that's doing the job they're called to do, you're taking the ministry of Fellowship Baptist Church, and I guarantee you, Brother Dinoff, and I guarantee you, your pastor, amen, this is their intention to take this ministry and see it spread throughout the world. It's an investment. Now, if you think about it, investment requires a couple of simple things. Nobody in their right mind, the brother was talking to us before church about giving the analogy of investment with marriage. That's quite an analogy, amen? Well, an investment requires three simple things. You're not going to invest, first of all, through an avenue, through somebody that you have no relationship with, amen? You're not going to, how many of you have $1,000 tonight that you want to take down to the downtown streets of Columbus here? I'm from Cleveland originally. Don't do it in Cleveland, I promise you. You want to take your money down and have an envelope and say, I've got $1,000, who could invest this wisely for me? I'm sure there's a lot of people that would invest for you tonight, amen? No, an investment requires a relationship. You know, Paul had a relationship with these folks. Look at verse number one of chapter four. Therefore, my brethren... Dearly beloved and long for my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. Look what he says in verse 3 now. And I entreat thee also, true, what's that word there? Yoke fellow. You know what the word yoke fellow means? It means a colleague, amen. Paul says to the church at Philippi, turn over to chapter 1, by the way. Paul says to the church at Philippi, who is not his sending church, Acts 13, his sending church, the church he was sent out of, was Antioch. But he says to this church that's partnering with him, he said, you're a colleague of mine. You folks have been a colleague, a fellow yoke fellow with me. Look at verse number one of Philippians chapter one. Paul says this, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi with the bishops and deacons. Now, let me ask you a question. Where, what do we call a place? And I'll give you a hint tonight. You ready? You're in it. What do we call a place where saints, the children of God, meet? They have a bishop, which means a pastor, amen, and there are deacons. What do we call that kind of place? Say it, preacher. A church, amen. Paul says, I'm talking to the church at Philippi. Not just a bunch of saved people, not a bunch of lone rangers. Paul's talking to an organized assembly of baptized believers. And he says this to them, Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making requests with joy. Why? For your fellowship In the gospel from the first day until now. You know what the word fellowship there means? Partnership. You know what Paul's saying to them? Paul's saying to the church at Philippi, we've had a relationship. I'm not just Jim Mayles, the church planner. And your preacher is right when he says, you need to get to know your church planners, amen. You need to read the letters. I walked into church one time, reporting back, they had supported me for 15 years, and the main man, the head deacon, comes up to me in Atlanta, Georgia, and he says to me, oh, it's good to have you visiting tonight. Oh, I said, brother, I'm Brother Mayles, missionary to Scotland. He said, oh, do we support you? And he wasn't joking. You need to know your church planners. You know why? Because this investment that you're investing in requires a relationship, and you need to know those guys, and they need to know this church, and it needs to be a mutual relationship. Why? 
because we're partnershiping in the greatest cause in the universe. It's called the work of God. There needs to be a, a relationship. Then there needs to be some responsibility. Just let me show you the kind of guy that Philippi invested in. Go to Acts chapter 13. The last two things I'm going to give you, they won't take long at all. In fact, we'll read two verses and we'll be done. But just let me show you what kind of guy they invested in. Now turn to Acts 13 and think about this. And I think I have a right to say this because I've been a church planner, missionaries we call it, for 20-some years. I've been doing it. I'm, I'm a veteran now. That's a neat title, isn't it? A veteran. Amen? Well, I'll tell you something. What's sad is I've been in many conferences, many churches, even sad to say, even in my home church sometimes at Cleveland Baptist, it's funny how the people of the church kind of like missionaries, how they pick them. Today we have missionaries get taken out for support because they've got a sharp DVD. You with me? We've got missionaries that are taken out for support because they wear a really nice suit and they look sharp. We've got missionaries that are taken out for support because they, they know how to wear these things, amen? I didn't know how. Your preacher was very gracious to me. You see what I'm saying? Now, I'm not saying a guy shouldn't be sharp. I'm not saying a guy shouldn't do things first class. What you said, preacher, I absolutely agree. Everything we ought to do ought to be first class, amen? There's no holes in the missionary shoes tonight. You know why? Because my God is not poverty stricken, amen? He takes good care of me. But my point is this, we ought to have our missionary, our church planner, our partnership ought to be with someone that has some substance, amen? And God says here in Acts 13, this is what these men were like. He says, now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and Mananim which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. So there's two guys there that you might remember. Paul, his name is Saul here, and Barnabas. And look what he says. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said. Now let me tell you something folks. That's the problem with our churches in America today. We do not have the moving of the Spirit of God. The old days when you heard about the 50s and the 60s and the 70s and people were getting saved, amen, and men were preaching the Bible. We don't see that anymore. You know why? We've kicked God out of our churches. I'll tell you one thing I learned about religion as a boy. Religion is what man thinks. It's man thinking he can attain God. But I'll tell you, you don't manipulate the God of this Bible. And we in America are about to find that out. You see, I've preached in the countries where 90% of the people don't attend church, where witchcraft is more attended and more, more given to than Christianity. We're headed that way, America. This is not the America that I grew up in. I've knocked on doors in West Virginia in the Bible Belt, and people have no time for God. If you entertain people enough and you give them enough excitement, amen, they might come and give God a Sunday morning or a Sunday night. I'm telling you, my friends, these men of God, Paul, the reason he accomplished what he did is because these were men that learned how to minister for God. They learned how to walk in the leadership and the power of the Spirit of the living God. I'm going to tell you, Jesus said, except the Lord build the house. They that labor, labor in vain. These were men of God. And the men that you ought to seek to partnership ought to be old-fashioned men of God. And what I mean by old-fashioned is as old-fashioned as this book. 
this Bible, the Word of God. You see, these men had a relationship. There was responsibility on both sides, the church and the church planners. They both kept the Word of God and did their part. But you know what else there was? Let me show you this. We'll be done in just a moment. Acts chapter 20. I want to show you something that you have a right to expect. Now, I want you to think about this. Acts chapter 20, and we'll look at verse number 20, if you will. I'm sorry, Acts chapter 20, verse 14. Acts chapter 14, I apologize. That's why I'm saying thinking 14. Acts 14, verse 20. Now, think about this very quickly with me before we go on and finish. If you invested some money in the stock market, how many of you have ever invested in some kind of investment avenue? Raise your hand. I'm not asking how much. Don't worry, we're not going to make you tell what you invested in, amen? Hopefully it wasn't casinos or something, amen? You with me? Some of you here know about investment. If you invest, amen, you want to have a relationship with the person you're investing through, right? You want responsibility. You don't want a Bernie Madoff where the guy runs off with all your money. Do you? I hope you don't. But there's something else you have a right to expect. If you have a relationship, there's responsibility as far as you know, then you have a right to expect to what? It starts with an R as well. I kept it all alike. Isn't that great? Amen. You have a right to expect to what? Return. Amen. You have a right to expect to return on your investment. Can I say something to you, church? You have a perfect right to expect these church planners you support to bring a return. You say, well, what's the return? Look what Paul does in Acts chapter 14, verse 20. How be it? As the disciples stood round about him, he rose up and came into the city. And the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derbe. And when he had preached the gospel to that city and had taught many and returned, they returned again to Lystra and to Iconium and Antioch, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we through much tribulation must enter into the kingdom of God. And when they had ordained them elders, that's pastors in every church, and had prayed with fasting, they commended them. They deposited them to the Lord on whom they believed. You know what Paul's return was that he gave to the church of Philippi and others that partnered with him? Souls were saved, souls were discipled, and churches were established. Let me just say to you this, this evening, this link of investment. Don't look at missions giving as just, I'm putting money in a plate or pastor says we ought to do this. You're making an investment that provides fruit that increases or abounds to this account here. Now let me give you the other two links and I'm done. And it won't take us but a second. I'm just going to give you two scriptures. Second link is pretty important, but you hear about it all the time. It's intercession. Amen? Let me just read you one scripture and it'll explain it all. Paul says this in 2 Thessalonians. Let me just read this to you. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, Paul says this in verse 1. We have the link of intercession or, or, or investment, but also the link of intercession, prayer. Paul says, finally, brethren, pray for us. He's speaking to the church at Thessalonica. And he says, pray for us, him and his company, that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you, and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not faith. You know what Paul says the second link in this partnership is? Prayer. But Paul didn't say, pray for me to get a new house. 
Nothing wrong with that. Paul didn't say just pray for my travels per se. Paul said pray for two things. And this is what I'd like you to pray for Brother Males. And it's very important because we live in just as bad a day as Paul did. Number one, he said, pray that the word of God, the word of the Lord, may have free course. The phrase free course means that it'll get from point A to point B without being hindered. Amen? So pray for the word of God. As we preach the word of God, going back to a country where their, their witchcraft and agnosticism is very prevalent, pray for us. Amen? As we go back, that when we preach the word of God, that even as the word of God has free course here, Paul said, that we might have it as well. But you know what that other thing he said there is? That we might be delivered. That word delivered means rescued from wicked and unreasonable men. I was telling some men before the service. I don't know if I told you this, Pastor. But I just, you remember the, 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 the recent beheading of the American journalist by the Muslim guy. And he has a South London accent. He has a very heavy British accent. Maybe you saw that on CNN or Fox, whatever you watch. Well, you know that guy, because of that... Britain now, the lady that's in charge of immigration has just said this. She said that we are going to tighten up on immigration. And you would say, amen, that's good. They're right. They need to do that. But she added something in there. She said, not only are we going to tighten up on these terrorist groups, but we're going to tighten up on these fundamentalist preachers. And here's what she said verbatim. These American hate preachers that are coming over to our country. You know what the lady told me last time I went through immigration? She said, you better be glad you have a permanent resident visa because we're coming after your kind. Let me tell you something, folks. I'm going to shock you. But our government and the governments of this world are not friendly towards the, the word of God. Do you understand that? You can vote Republican, Democrat, anything you want. But I'm telling you, the devil has this world geared up for the end. And pretty soon, you're going to have to make a choice between God and yourself. And I don't know how we're going to fare in this country. We need to pray for one another because we need deliverance from wicked and unreasonable men. Let me close with this. That third link is involvement. You say, what do you mean? I was going to take you through a whole tour of Acts, but we don't have time tonight. But I will take you just to one scripture if you'll go there with me. Go with me to Acts chapter 19, verse 29, and we'll finish with this scripture. Paul said there was another link. Not only investment, not as only the link of intercession prayer, but Paul said there's another link between him and the partnering church, and that was simply this. It was involvement, amen, involvement. Paul says in Acts chapter 19, verse 29, this. Appreciate your patience tonight. We'll finish with this. Paul says this. And the whole city was filled with confusion. And boy, I have at least seven scriptures here. You can ask me after church if you want, before I leave. I can prove to you that all through Acts, Paul always had a team effort. Always. Paul never went by himself. Paul had a team with him all the time. And look what he says here. And the whole city was filled with confusion. And having caught Gaius and Articius, men of Macedonia, Paul's, what's that word? Say it with me. Companions. In travel, they rushed with one accord into the theater. Do you know what the word companions means? It means fellow traveler, co-absentee from home. 
You know, I've talked to many pastors. I've, I've been doing this a few years. Started a few churches. And I've talked to many pastors, and they said, Brother Males, why do you think it is that our missionaries today, our church planners, are not seeing churches planted like they did in the old days? And I said, I'll tell you why. Because we're not doing it God's way. We're not doing it God's way. You see, I challenge you. I'll give you $100. That'll perk everybody up. Show me one time a church planner in the New Testament went by himself anywhere. Show it to me. Paul, when he preaches at Mars Hill, was waiting on his companions in travel to meet him in Athens. And Paul couldn't withhold himself. And he began to preach to those when he saw the unknown God. But they catch up. And you know what happens? They start a church there. You know what God wants you to do? Not just to be involved in the investment side of things. Not to just be involved in the intercession side of things. God wants you to get involved. You know what a great thing would be? Not just for pastor, and he probably has taken mission trips, and he should take. You never begrudge your pastor going on a mission trip. It's good that he goes and sees what's going on, what you're investing in. But you know what would be good is maybe on a vacation sometime. Maybe if you're retired, amen. I don't believe these companions and travel stayed with Paul 24-7 all their life. But maybe you could go on a missions trip. Maybe you could come and help. Maybe it's just for two weeks. Maybe it's for three. Maybe it's a month. You can come and get involved and be a part of a New Testament church plan. Amen? Three links between the church planner and that partnership, that church, those churches that he partners with. Intercession investment, and involvement. I wonder today, man, are you involved in the intercession? Are you involved in the involvement side of it? And are you involved on the investment side of it? New Testament missions, a worthwhile ministry, amen? Because the heartbeat of God is to see people saved, baptized, taught, and churches established, amen?